What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Beers with Dad, the Austin-based pod hosted by three guys, each on our own journey. Our paths cross at the intersection of fatherhood and craft beer. Go ahead and test-click your barbecue tongs, clip your cell phone to your belt, lace up those new balances, and have a cold one with us. All right, y'all. Welcome back into another week. We're recording on a Wednesday this week. Very controversial. Usually we record on a Sunday, a Monday, a tu- but Tuesday. But today it's a it's a Wednesday. And that's because we are dads and family comes first. And so we had to do some shuffling. But we are excited to be here with you this week. Uh, this We're recording on June 1st. So it is the start of Pride Month. So happy Pride Month out to y'all. Nick, Chris, how you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. It's good to see you guys again. Doing great. I uh, appreciate you guys shuffling with me as far as the schedule goes. Always, always. If you want to reach out to us, uh, feel free. Beerswithdadpod at gmail.com. Beerswithdadpod on instagram and twitter we'd love to hear from you discuss the style tell us uh how do you how would you deal with a parenting situation we talk about whatever just feel free to shoot a note over to us Uh, as always please like rate subscribe do all the things that you do for podcasts it's been a little while since we sat back down a week and a couple days and you know how we like to catch up with a little high low buffalo chris i'll let you kick it off what is your high low buffalo for this week Cool, man. Thank you for asking. So High Low Buffalo for this week is my high was getting to actually see in person the team that I work on. So the team that I work on is completely um, remote. And it just so happened that last week I was in Indianapolis and my company has an office in Indianapolis. Uh, and so we were able to coordinate a, a meeting where my whole team was able to get together in Indianapolis for a few days. And man, it was just a ton of fun seeing these people not on a Zoom call. So it was great to hang out with those people. We had a ton a ton of fun just doing all the things in Indianapolis. Also, fun fact, I was in Kentucky for the Kentucky Derby and in the, uh, Indiana for the uh, Indianapolis 500. So that was kind of cool. My low is that it does in fact appear that we're probably going to have to change our travel plans for this summer. So at the beginning of this year, we spent a couple of months planning our route for this um, spring and summer, taking us up through the Northeast uh, and then back down along the East Coast and then eventually back into Texas. Um, but because of the highly probable diesel shortages in the Northeast, and now I'm reading there's also going to be um, deaf shortages, which is like diesel exhaust fluid, which um, my truck requires. Um, it's looking more and more likely that we are going to have to change our plans. Um, and, you know, just using the last couple of nights as an example, this is going to be relatively difficult because 
we already have reservations at all of the RV parks in the Northeast and trying to change those and make reservations at RV parks elsewhere is challenging because there are no reservations available because everything's booked up. So still trying to figure that out. Not sure what's going to happen. Stay tuned to the podcast because you know you want to know. Uh, My Buffalo is that I think I shared on the podcast that uh, several months ago, I went back to Louisiana to um, help clean out my dad's house to get it ready for sale. Uh, And this last week we got an offer on it, which was quite honestly shocking to me. I thought it would be quite a long time before we got any offers on that house, but we got an offer on it this week and could potentially be selling this house, which is kind of bittersweet, but mostly a good thing. So that's my high, low Buffalo, Nick. What about you, man? Well, that sounds like a logistical nightmare that y'all are going to have to go through. I'm so sorry to hear that. Thanks, man. Um, So my high-low Buffalo are all a little bit interrelated this week. Uh, My high is that I am lucky enough to hug my kids at night and, and be able to hold them in my arms and for them to be alive and breathing because apparently that is not as guaranteed as it should be in, in our society at the moment. So just to kind of springboard off of that, the other part of my high for this week is that my wife, Crystal, and my daughter, Vivian, uh, along with my mother, uh, they all three of them took a, an extended trip out to the West Coast uh, for a little girl's trip to go visit uh, friends out there. Uh, my brother lives out there. Uh, so they got to go on a girl's trip uh, with with just them and go out and have fun. So what that means, conversely, is that Action and I, Action, my son, uh, got to have a boys weekend and I had so much fun. Uh, it was such a joy to spend an extended period of quality you know, one-on-one, no interruption time with him uh, and and to learn about his little personality quirks, his little tics and tells and facial expressions. Uh, and he's he's almost two years old for those that, that might be wondering. And just, just kind of being able to pick up on his own language, you know, in a, in a, in a distraction-free type of way where it's just me and him and we got to spend you know, some good quality father-son time. And I enjoyed most every minute of it. So which brings us to the low for the week. And and I don't think I'm the, alone in, in having this as a low. And that would be another grade school shooting uh, this time happening just, you know, practically around the corner from us here in Texas uh, in a small community, Uvalde, Texas. Um, just that overall situation and what has happened in the aftermath and all of the maddening decisions that were made uh, leading up to and during and after this shooting. I don't have words to describe how, how sick to the stomach I felt when I first heard about this. You know, ha- having a, a kid in and around that same age, age range, um, 
was just a, a real punch to the gut. It so could easily could happen to any of us. Uh, and as parents, that's just, it's, it's one of the worst things you can imagine to happen to you. And the, the lies that happened afterwards, the, the cover up that is continuing to happen, the baffling, it, it feels like malice. All of our uh, elected political heroes wringing their hands and shrugging their shoulders and, and deciding that there's nothing we can do, nothing that will change. It calls to mind the, uh, the Onion has a running gag, I guess, where every time this happens, the headline is, in quotes, uh, well, no way, there's no way to, the pre- to prevent this, says the uh, only nation in the world where this happens regularly. And it, they've, they've had to print that headline so many times. And it's just, it's not funny anymore. <sighs> and there's, there's just no in, insight. This is, this is going to keep on happening. Sorry to bring it down on that note. For my Buffalo for the week, I don't know if this is just a, a, a me thing or, or a my family thing, but action at this age is so much more work than Vivian ever was. And I don't know if that's just a him specific thing because that's just the way his, you know, physiology and, and mental makeup work together. But Vivian was never this hands on at this age. She wasn't ever so attention needing. And I don't, I don't mean that as in like, you know, attention seeking, but just as in, if you are not paying attention, something is going to, something bad is going to happen. <laughs> and it's, it, it is, it was nonstop. But like I said, I had a blast doing it. Oh, but man, he has so much more work. Fairly eventful week. John, what about you? How, how are you doing? Well, thanks for asking, Nick. Um, we say the same thing about Kit versus Abby. And we always say that like it's imperfect science, right? Because is it one kid versus another? Is it a gender thing? Is it like too many variables to run a um, a thorough experiment? But yeah, it's only going to get worse. Sorry. More enjoyable too? I don't know. Um, but yeah, Kit has always been like just more of a Johnny Knoxville who also never stops talking. So best of luck. That is a great way to put it. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I've had a lot of practice. Um, Since Nick so aptly covered it in his low, uh, I won't talk too much more about it, but uh, this, I think more than a lot of the other shootings, this was pretty hard to take because when, Sandy Hook happened. I uh, didn't have a kid in grade school, and now I've one uh, in third, going on to fourth grade. And so to try and explain everything to her, as well as like that this is a reality, was pretty hard. Also, having a a wife who teaches uh, older kids, but has taught um, in schools where they have um, that young of age group. Um, and you know, since she's been a teacher, there've been way too many school shootings and, um, she really took it hard. And, uh, I think it was Thursday morning, the the morning after it happened, she had to go to school for one of her last school days of the year. And she just looked at me and she's like, well, I hope I don't have to be a human shield for my kids today. And, uh, uh, 
you know, we we do our best to steer clear of uh, politics and not get you know into those type of things on the show and just be something we can listen to and have a good time listening to us doing our best. But um, one of my wife's former coworkers, I think, really had a telling post on Facebook. She said, you know, when I came to school after Sandy Hook, all the kids, you know, they were crying, they were upset, they were, you know, some of them inconsolable. And when she came to school after this most recent shooting at Uvalde, the kids weren't acting that way. And it was more like, oh, yeah, this is just business as usual. This is just, you know, our normal. It's just, uh, it's not right. And um, as a parent, uh, you know, I'm not going to speak for either of y'all, but I know as a parent myself, I just, you know, I feel helpless. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, moving on to my high, I have a couple of highs this week. So I mentioned on the last episode that we went to a graduation for one of my wife's students um, that really meant a lot to her. Um, this week was the graduation for most of the rest of the class that she taught, along with the girl who went out to her graduation. So I would say probably 30 to 40 kids that really meant a lot to her. They were graduating from high school this past weekend. And we went out there and it was it was cool for me because at that time I was spending a lot of time at that school. I was doing a consulting project for them. And so I got to really know a lot of these kids. But what was really, really special to me was um, to see how touched these kids were and how many of them went up to her and just, you know, it meant so much to them and they wanted pictures and um, the valedictorian actually mentioned my wife and her speech and parents were going up to, her. I mean, everybody um, knew how much she meant to that school. And my wife's had a very, very tough year um, at the school she's currently at. And uh, it really, really meant the world for her coming off of the year that she's had to be seen and made to feel important by these kids. So it was just, it did my heart a lot of good because um, it really, it really filled her cup. My other high, and I just found this out a few hours ago, uh, Nick, you mentioned that you're going to be in Chicago this summer. I too will be spending an extended weekend in Chicago later this summer because I was dog sitting for a good friend of mine. He picked up his dog and said, hey, um, so we got a Lollapalooza ticket for you if you want to come up to Chicago with us. And I was like, well, you know, I'm starting a new job. I don't know if it's so great. I'm already taking a, you know, multiple day vacation in a couple weeks. Let me see what I can do. And of course, my wife's like, oh, go, go, go. Sidebar, my wife is doing that because she wants to go on her own girls trip in a couple of years for her 40th birthday to Napa. And so she's trying to rack up points, but that's beside the point. So we looked at flights to Chicago and uh, I'm going to make it happen. I know a solid five bands, I think, that are on the Lollapalooza bill. Most of them have been playing music since the 80s. I think you'll have a great time, though. Oh, no, it's going to be a blast. Uh, A couple of my oldest friends um, get to see Metallica for like, I don't know, the 12th or 13th time. Uh, Whatever. Um, the Wombats are also going to be there. Really enjoy listening to them. Nick's favorite, Billy Strings, who I've never heard of, but... If you like bluegrass, he's pretty great. I mean, I'm I'm just going to be there for the music. Yeah, go check him out. So it's like a Thursday to Sunday, Friday and Saturday, pretty much nobody that I know. 
I think Friday's headline by Dua Lipa. I don't I don't know what that what you that is. have definitely heard her songs. I don't see how you have a daughter of Abby's age and you haven't heard at least one Dua Lipa song. Sure, sure. No, it'll be fun uh, for you because you'll be like, oh, there it is. That's the I one. also heard that I'm uh, I'm going to be backstage for that. So it'll be hey. interesting. So Lipa, big fan. Double high, double high. Low, putting everything else to the side. I don't know how much either of you also enjoy this. So a couple of years ago, I was getting the Christmas tree out of the attic and I went and saw that there was water in the pan of one of our hot water heaters and it had to be replaced. Fantastic. We heard a noise Saturday night, I think. Uh, my daughter heard it and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. So went up to the attic because I knew it was something on the roof and... I think there was just something caught in uh, one of our turbines up there. Saw some standing water in one of the pans of our air conditioner. Pretty excited about that. Pretty, pretty jazzed. Just, just love going into my attic. Love being a homeowner, especially when we dropped uh, not an insignificant amount of money on appliances earlier that day. Well, it sounds like every time you go up to your attic, you break something. Maybe you should stay out of the attic. This is a, this is also a theory. This is also a theory. Now, if I don't go up into the attic, um, I'm concerned that our entire ceiling would just fall in one day. Like everything would have gone wrong and it just all goes to hell. Buy a home, they say. It'll be great. Um, my Buffalo, uh, we finished up the Austin Ale Trail this week. Or not the Austin Ale Trail. Scratch that. We finished up the Barks for Beers this week. With our last two breweries. We hit Real Ale and uh, Hitmaker. So... Real ale is just, it's great. Anytime you get a chance to go out there. They also have really, really cheap glassware, like getting glasses for a dollar. And they're like really cool glasses. I, I don't know what that was about, but uh, had some good beer while we were out there. Beautiful venue, Hitmaker. But then when I was, we were at Hitmaker, I was going through Instagram and I saw that Starbase Brewing was having their soft opening. Just kind of surprised. They hadn't said anything about it they just put out a couple of instagram stories or posts or whatever saying they were opening and this is one that is in the austin ale trail and new to austin beer and my wife loves space as we've talked about on the podcast before so i was like sure we're basically in dripping springs and we're gonna go clear across austin to like the airport ish area no problem hoofed it over there got to meet with the owner of Starbase, they're very, it's very much an old school brewery in an industrial park. Um, they took over for another brewery that went out of business a while back. It's very, very cool concept. He's very much into space. And so his idea is kind of to build that collaboration and that vibe, um, thinking that we're on the verge of kind of the next big space discovery, space exploration with the talks of going to Mars and trying to recapture some of that spirit that we had when we were doing things like, you know, going into orbit for the first time and going uh, to the moon, landing on the moon, all of that. So some of that positive energy of this new, exciting time and space exploration and kind of being the beer um, and building that community around that. So I thought it was a pretty cool idea. Got to try a few of their beers, um, had a really nice sour, uh, had a 
very good IPA. There's something else good there that I can't remember at the moment, but very good selections. Uh, they're releasing a Mexican lager this weekend. So probably going to um, stop by there to try that. But really, really nice guys. The head brewer is also very cool. Um, cool vibe. Check them out uh, if you get a chance. Starbase Brewing. So that wraps up our high low buffaloes. Definitely a little bit of a roller coaster of emotion there. Um, you know that we not only like to catch up with activities in our week, but also beers that we've been drinking. So, gentlemen, what you drinking? Chris, I'll uh, kick it over to you. Well, yeah. So, as I mentioned, um, in my high-low Buffalo, my high was getting to hang out with my entire team. And one of the guys that I work with lives in Bellingham, Washington. Uh, you guys probably remember. I went up there and visited him last summer. Um, Flame tap? No, that's Portland, Oregon, but good guess. But uh, yeah, so there's a brewery up there called Structures Brewing, and they make an IPA called Fuzz. And he brought a couple of cans of Fuzz with him to the meeting we had in Indy uh, because I absolutely love that beer. And uh, he was kind enough to bring a few. And so that's what I've been drinking. Nice. Nice. Yep. Nick, what you got for us? Well, <laughs> that sounds guilty. I feel like I know what's coming. I'm going to give you one extra because the obvious answer is Labrador. Hadn't, hadn't really stopped. Um, but no, this week I tried something that is maybe, I don't know if it's going to be the next kind of trendy thing to do like uh like hard seltzer waters were when that st first started taking off but i've been seeing them more and more uh just kind of pop up into my awareness and so crystal bought some at costco when she last visited and i have just been morbidly curious and so that guilty sound that you may have picked up is that it's not so much what i've been drinking but i have been trying out these 10% alcohol popsicles that <laughs> have been popping up everywhere. And it is the most strange way to consume alcohol. I think that I've done because it's, it's, it's still a popsicle. Like it's very much a popsicle. That's very sweet. Um, you know, lots of, lots of sugar, um, very frozen. It makes you, you know, kind of de deliberate about it because, you know, if you eat it too fast, you're definitely going to be getting brain freeze. I don't, I don't think I'm sold on the uh, alcoholic popsicles, but I had to try it. If you're a fan, more power to you. Cause I, I feel like those are just going to get more and more popular. Sounds like a hangover waiting to happen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can attest to that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, John, what about you? Have anything interesting to drink this week? Uh, I do. I did. Uh, I was struggling a little bit, and then I remembered one of the interesting things I had over the weekend. But so a few years ago, my wife asked me what I wanted to do for Father's Day. And I told her, I just want to do the Star Wars movies, episodes one through nine, and the two additional ones. Just want to do that with you and the kids. 
And she was like, oh, cool. I'm going to do a themed menu and everything else. So we came up with the idea of lit sticks, which are, you remember the like otter pops and the plastic sleeve, like where you kind of cut the top off and you push them up and they're kind of thin. Yeah. Is it, uh, it sounds like freeze pops. Is that, is that the freeze same Freeze pops, freeze pops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Same thing. Little plastic sleeve. So we bought uh, on Amazon, like, I don't know, 65,000 of the little plastic sleeves and a little uh, uh, funnel to fill them. And we used, you know, watching our calories, the sugar-free crystal light mix and like an ounce and a half of vodka. And we'll put them in those, seal it off, put it in the freezer, and you would get an alcoholic popsicle more like a slushy but delicious and the crystal light with all of its chemicals would hi- uh, hide the alcohol quite nicely and it was a bit of a kick there so glad to see that uh we were trendsetters what i had to drink this week uh, is going to be something that we actually cover very very soon um, not the specific beer but the style i went over to lazarus brewing and they had just premiered their newly won uh, World Beer Cup gold medal beer in the Black Pearl, which is a rice lager with macaw peppercorns. So it's a peppercorn that the head brewer, somebody there, found one time on a trip uh, in Asia. And so brought that in combination with the rice lager. And it was very, very tasty. Very smooth, very dry, a little kind of peppery, peppercorniness to it, but very, very easy drinking, crispy beer with a nice little bit of intrigue to it. So that's what we've been drinking. Next, I don't know if you saw on our Instagram page, but the three of us are now certified Edmonton Oilers fans. Let's go Oilers. (laughs) Stanley Cup hockey season is one of my wife and I's favorite times of year. There's just nothing like it. It's just insane. I think sometimes hockey players get overlooked for the athleticism that it takes to play hockey, along with the physicality. Hats off to them. The balance, I think, is what I'm most impressed with. Oh, for sure. I mean, I can't skate to save myself. I've tried ice skating a few times. Can't do it. These guys are going breakneck speed, stopping on a dime trying to handle a frozen piece of rubber that's, I don't know, two inches in diameter. Like it's mind boggling to me. And then they also, you know, beat the piss out of each other. So we are all in on the Oilers. They lost last night, but that's okay. They lost game one of the last series and then won the next four. So oil up as they say. Um, But I thought it'd be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I like it. (laughs) yeah it could be um (laughs) if you see the shirts you know where it came from so i thought it'd be interesting uh though in get to know your host just to go around and kind of let the audience know who our normal teams are for the four major sports we're obviously very diehard long time for like two weeks oilers fans but typically uh my hockey team is the Detroit Red Wings. Don't know why. I think it's because when I started 
getting into hockey in kind of the late nineties, early two thousands, they were a good team. And I like the history that they're one of the original eight. So stuck with them. Baseball team at the moment, it's the Mets. It'll be the Astros again soon, but lifelong Astros fan just on a little bit of a break. Basketball, it's the Spurs. Um, spent elementary school in San Antonio. Even had Greg Popovich's kid steal my uh, the girl that I wanted to uh, ask out in fifth grade. Um, got to do a shoot around one time at Spurs basketball camp with Vinny Del Negro, Spurs legend. And for football, it's the Packers. Goes back to third grade. Girl I liked. That was her team. I liked him because that they won the Super Bowl. Been a Packers fan ever since. Nick or Chris, whoever would like to go first, what are your usual teams? Well, being born and raised here in Austin, Texas, uh, we did not have a, a professional sports team. Now, I suppose you could count the University of Texas in that kind of category because they are just such a huge brand. But if we're just strictly speaking professional sports, uh, the NHL team has been the Dallas Stars. And that's just because they were the NHL team in Texas. Like I think when I first started, you know, becoming aware of hockey, I, Houston might have had a team. They had an AHL team. Yeah, the Arrows. The Arrows, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember thinking that the uh, the uniforms and logo just didn't do anything for me. I thought you were going to go the opposite way. I was going to tell you about the sweater i have from them but go on <laughs> no yeah i mean it's as uh, shallow and arbitrary as that I, I i made my decision to be a um, stars fan but so hey one of those teams is not around anymore so i think i made the right choice basketball uh, san antonio spurs for sure that uh probably been to more san antonio spurs games than than anything else as far as the professional sports go first love was basketball i just fell in love with the sport at a very young age, you know, it's just, you know, being something that you could easily do in your uh, front driveway or anywhere in a park, but always a big fan of David Robinson. He was, you know, still is one of my favorite players of all time. And just, you know, the, the, the proximity certainly didn't hurt. Uh, we were, you know, I, I remember going to the old Alamo dome for Spurs games, you know, with some regularity with my, with my dad uh, brothers. Uh, so that was, that was always a fun trip, which means what is a, the MLB using Astros solely because I, again, I'm starting, I think I might be noticing a pattern here because the, the Texas Rangers just never really did anything for me. And, uh, now that we're talking through this, I realized that it probably was the uniforms just didn't do anything for me. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, the Texas Rangers and the Houston arrows have or had basically the same color scheme and, and a very similar kind of like thematic scheme to completely them. different, but yes, go on. Okay. Well then <laughs> the arrows were like planes and yeah. like fighting, right? but planes. they weren't red, white, and blue. No, I think they were more like Seattle Seahawks type colors, kind of really? that green and blue. They, they had some red in there. I'll, I've got my Jersey. I'll, I'll show you. Okay, well then, I mean, yeah, that's dead wrong, that's, Nick. That's how much but, the Houston Arrows did did anything for me. But so anyway, uh, and it was also the the Killer Bees were on the Astros, and they were just you know the coolest. 
um, which leaves the NFL and Dallas Cowboys. And I know that's not a very exciting answer, but that's the one I chose. Uh, and I probably have been a Dallas Cowboys fan the longest because I, I chose them from a very early age. It's one of my, my earliest memories is choosing to be a Dallas Cowboys fan because uh, my dad was the only one in a room full of Houston Oilers fans rooting for the Cowboys. So I was like, hey, I'm choosing the Dallas Cowboys then. That's that's what my dad's rooting for, so that's what I'm rooting for. So I, I guess I inherited that. And, you know, them being a dynasty in the 90s certainly didn't hurt. Nothing but heartache sense. No, yeah, I don't I don't want to I don't want to speak about anything else after that. Um because he hasn't watched the game since the mid 90s. No <laughs> yes. um, I just I'm just going to assume that we've continued uh, dominance and success and uh, kept that coaching uh, crew and, and team together. Right. Yes. Right. Don't answer that. Um, so, yeah, being, you know, being from Austin, Texas, not having a professional sports team in your own city, I got to kind of pick and choose all around Texas. And so I've got a Texas flavored sports fandom. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, the Rangers uniforms have always been boring. And their old park, uh, the ballpark at Arlington was like an oven. I was always impressed that no matter what time of day in that ballpark, you were sitting in the sun. No matter where you were sitting, (laughs) no matter what time of day, you were in the sun. And there was just no relief from it. Hmm. So I can't say I'm going to miss it, but it was impressive. Oh, yeah. What a place. Although the early 2000s Astros uniforms, those like red things, those are just so bland. Just, just so bland. I mean, coming off the blue and gold, coming off Mm -hmm. the rainbow, the shooting star, like. That was kind of like a a whiplash as far as that uh, pendulum swung. So, Chris. Favorite teams. All right. So, um, like both of you guys, you know, I kind of root for the teams that were around where I grew up. And as you guys are aware, I spent most of my uh, formative years in South Louisiana. And so I have always, 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 and will always be a Saints fan. I have vivid memories of going to games in the Superdome back when people would put bags over their heads and write ain'ts across the top. And, you know, I think because I made it through all of those years, it made that Super Bowl victory in 2009, well, the 2009 season, that much more meaningful. And I will tell you both, uh, I wept like crazy when Tracy Porter intercepted Peyton Manning's pass in the fourth quarter and ran it back for that pick six, which sealed the victory. I wept and wept and wept like that was, that was it. Diehard saints fan for uh, just always, always and forever saints fan. Um, baseball. Um, there wasn't, I mean, there was a triple A team in New Orleans, but uh, there wasn't a major league team. It wasn't until I moved to Houston to go to college in the 90s that I really kind of got hooked on Astros baseball and have been ever since. They are my MLB team. I didn't cry as much when the Astros won their World Series, but I did get misty. That's for sure. NBA, 
Rockets fan. I was in Houston for the 94 and 95 championships. I worked as a matter of fact, the place where I was working, where I, when I met my wife, um, was right across the street from the mosque that Hakeem Olajuwon went to. And so I saw him almost every Friday and for the longest time had a a basketball with his autograph on it that I got when I saw him walking out of his mosque into his Mercedes, which had like the biggest gas pedal I've ever seen in my life. But good dude, just very personable, like had no problem walking up to him after he was leaving his mosque and asking for his autograph. He was just a good, good dude. So I was there for those two championships um, and, you know, kind of got hooked on the Rockets after that. So my hockey team, I spent most of my formative years in South Louisiana. The three years that I spent outside of Louisiana was in Boston. My dad, we moved to Boston uh, when I was three so that my dad could continue his education up there. And I kind of my So my hockey team is the Bruins. That's just and and, if i'm being completely honest the red sox are kind of my number two but astros are number one uh and yeah my bruins i think or not my bruins the bruins are i think my number one nhl team nice yep very cool yeah i mean i think think if you want to talk about hakeem lajuan's character there was you know when he started in the nba and they spelled his name without an h and he was just like okay Mm -hmm. No, no big deal. And they're like, oh, like a year or two later, they're like, wait, your name is an H in the front? Yeah. Why didn't you tell us earlier? Uh, you know, no big deal. Just, you know, don't want to don't want to cause a, a problem. Yeah. As long as the, the checks are cashable, then yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. All right. So got got to know us a little bit better. This is the point of the episode where I hand the reins over to one of my esteemed colleagues here this week. Those reins are going into the very capable hands of Nick. So Nick, take over. Thank you, John. Take over, I shall. So this is the part of the show where we, uh, I will take you down memory lane with one of my uh, favorite Memorial Day memories. This Take yourself back, if you will. Uh, Memorial Day circa 1993, 1994. I'm not entirely sure which one, but it was it was back when um, there is a theme park in San Antonio, Texas called Fiesta, Texas. Uh, It is currently owned by the Six Flags group company, whatever the uh, the same company that runs and uh, operates all the Six Flags theme parks across the nation uh, at this time it was independently owned and operated by somebody i'm not entirely sure and i only mentioned that as part of the story to illustrate and emphasize that these folks who were running this theme park had no clue what they were doing at least on holiday weekends um that was the only the first time we ever went to fiesta texas it was you know uh, a big grand opening big uh hyped up uh, advertisement campaign um and this memorial day weekend they were having you know like some, some insane coupon deal like you know buy one get one or something something to that effect where to where it was just you know like 
you know, if you were ever on the fence about going to check it out, okay, that's, that's a pretty good deal. We're going to go check it out. So we decide that, you know, it, it doesn't really matter if it was a Saturday or Sunday. Uh, I'm just going to go and say that we, we decide to go on the Saturday Memorial Day weekend, uh, which was mistake number one on our part, because every single person in Central Texas showed up that day. Uh, there was lines for everything. The parking lot was just absolute chaos, mayhem, Mad Max type situation. Um, getting, you know, just getting in should have been our first warning sign. Uh, but you know what? We had made the trip. We're here now. We've parked. We're going to do it. Just got to get into the park. Well, you know, two hours of waiting in line to get into the park later. Uh, we're finally in, and uh, you know one of the one of the big attractions is this you know large wooden roller coaster called the Texas Rattler, uh, and so of course that you know me being a, a, a ten or eleven at the time, that's you know that's that's what I wanted to do, and so my dad and I peel off from the rest of our family uh, to go check out the Texas Rattler, and of course the line is like three stinking hours long. Um, and so we, after a little bit of uh, debating, we decide that we're just, that's just not worth it. We're not going to wait in line that long. Uh, maybe we can come back and check it out later. Uh, but no, that, that line is just too long. We're not going to do it. Um, so instead, we know we went and found out, you know, found some other smaller, less popular attractions to do, uh, which still took about two hours waiting in line. At one point, we decide that we're going to go check out the water park portion. And so we, you know, we get into the water park, which is fenced off more or less from the rest of the main park. Uh, after waiting in line to get into the water park, after waiting in line to get a locker, uh, so where we can, you know, put our dry clothes up in, um, and, and you know, keys and wallets and things like that, uh, shoes. Uh, we get in our line to go uh, on our first water park ride. So after about. You know, an indeterminable amount of time waiting in line to get to this. The, it's a water slide, which unbeknownst to us at the time, once this water slides exit takes you outside of the water park. So when you get out of this water slide, you are in the main park. It's uh, uh, paved asphalt. Uh, it's bright sun. It's burning hot on your feet. Uh, when you just came from a water slide, so you probably don't have your shoes on. Uh, and guess what? You're going to have to wait to get back into the wait in line to get back into the water park because at some point in between us uh, uh, getting in and getting get, getting off the water slide, they decided that the water park was too full and it was at capacity and they could not let anybody else in. And I just remember my dad calmly yet firmly, uh, like no nonsense, just being like, to this, you know, this little teenage worker that was trying to, you know, just, you know, just, just trying to do their job, really. Uh, my dad, very politely, but very, like, there's no room for interpretation. It's just like, look, kid, I'm going in there to get my dry clothes, my shoes, my wallet. This is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever been a part of. And I just remember being so impressed and, and amazed at, at how 
easily my dad handled this this you know to my eyes was just was another adult but you know looking back on it it was some poor underworked or underpaid overworked teenager really um but anyway you know without causing you know harm or a scene we got back in to get our stuff from from this water park locker and made our way back out towards the exit because by this point we decided that you know we've had enough we're not this is this is ridiculous this is dumb we're not having any fun my youngest brother joe who was um maybe five or six at the time has been loudly complaining the entire time about everything about the stupid people the stupid number of people the stupid lines the stupid employees the stupid water fountains the stupid bathrooms the stupid rides every single thing felt the wrath of joe that day and for good reason because it was ridiculous it was an uh, absolute s show uh, that that these people uh, running the park at the time had absolutely zero business um allowing to happen um but so anyway we we get back to our car after all of this you know it's been a long exhausting day and we've barely accomplished anything uh, we get back to our car and we're you know we're as we're making our way out the parking lot towards the exit all of us are just like oh god thanks Thank God we're out of there. That was so awful. And Joe in the back in his car seat, just very matter of factly and sweetly goes, well, I had fun. <laughs> to which the rest of us just start dying, dying laughing. But, you know, that's, that's, that's one of a, one of my favorite memories of a family adversity in a crappy situation at the end of the day, we were all there together and, and we all suffered through it together. Uh, and we, and, you know, and we have a, a good story to come out of it because, because <laughs> Joe, Joe had fun. <laughs> well, so yeah, not so, not so much. A, I guess, I guess a parenting memory. Cause I, I was pretty impressed with how, with how dad got us smooth talked us, uh, back back into the water park when we weren't supposed to be there so good job dad okay so yeah so we have a dad joke this week and i'm gonna i'm gonna say this like i'm talking to my kids because I, I i did get to use this a little while ago so hey go to bed the cows are sleeping in the field kids go what say it's past your bedtime <laughs> Wow. That's good. That's good. Love a little pasture joke. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, this is the time of the show where we, you know, give, give a situation, a parental situation that we've been in and see how others might've handled it or, or what, what advice would you have given uh, in this situation? Um, I'm going to do it a little bit different this this time for me because I uh, thank God I have not been in this situation, but I want to bring it up. I want to see what y'all say. Uh, and I want to see if, if anybody else out there has, has some good advice, which is how do you talk to your young child about school shootings and how, how do you do it in such a way that is not pandering or 
patronizing, but at the same time, not terrifying. And I, I asked this cause I, I don't know. I haven't had to talk to Vivian about that um, yet because she, I don't, I don't know how much of that she is aware of, first of all. And I don't want to be the first one to be like, Hey, so you heard what happened at that school just down the road in Uvalde? I, cause I don't, I don't know if that's the best approach either. So I would, I would very much like, like to hear y'all's thoughts and advice on this. I'll preface this with my daughter is 10. Um, I don't, everybody's different. And I would say this is a very age dependent topic because I, you know, if my son, well, if my daughter was younger, but especially like if, you know, my son was older than he is, I, I don't know how I'd handle it <clears throat> when it came to talking to Abby about it. Um, we were very matter of fact about what happened. Just talked about how awful it was. And this isn't the first time that it's happened. Um, just very matter of factly go through with her everything that happened. I think luckily for us, I guess if you want to say that we didn't have to go into like, well, what happens if this happens at my school or will this happen at my school or anything like that? Um, those questions didn't come up because um, that's the part that I think for me is very difficult because I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I know <clears throat> my daughter has been fortunate enough and with her learning difference, it's benefited her greatly to be at a at private schools. And luckily, uh, knock on wood, those really haven't been that much of targets yet, but I don't know how I'd answer those questions um, because it's not something that I really had to deal with in school. I mean, we had, you know, fire drills and tornado drills and whatnot, but the, the school sh shootings weren't as prevalent. So we didn't have those type of drills. And so, you know, I would just go to do what your teacher says and, and what their, the instructions are. Luckily we didn't have to address that, but as far as just addressing the school shooting, it was just, it was very factual and, and matter of fact and tried not to, add any um, outside flavors to it, just really addressing the issue. And when questions would come up, trying to steer them away from potential political issues because we know kids talk and we don't need to get that interjected when it comes to kids. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just very matter of fact. Uh Yes, same as you, man. I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know what the right way to address that with kids are because how can you even attempt to make sense out of such a tragedy? Like, how can you even attempt to explain what, what happened? Like, how do you even describe that? But I think the, the best thing that I could do is to just, as you said, John, like matter of factly explain it, like just give the facts without any bias, uh, and then focus on your kids feelings and get them to talk about how they're feeling, how those facts make them feel. And, just do the best you can with that because it's just an un 
unfathomable situation that you have to try and make some kind of sense out of. And I don't know the, I don't know the right way to do it, but that's probably what I would do. Just get, get, get your kids to kind of talk about the way they're feeling and open up about that and address how they're feeling. I think it's, I think it's a good opportunity, like Chris is saying, to show vulnerability for, with your kids. There are not a lot of times as a parent where that's appropriate necessarily, but I think in a situation like that, you know, show your kids that you are struggling with it and, you know, be vulnerable to appropriate level in front of them. All good thoughts. I appreciate it. Thanks guys. Yep. On that note, do you guys feel like trying a beer? (laughs) I would love to. Yep, yep. All right. Well, uh, the style of the week falls on me. And for this week, I have chosen to do the left-hand milk stout. One of my uh, favorites that they do, left-hand being a a craft brewery out of Longmont, Colorado. Yeah, that's right. Yes. um, One of the earliest craft breweries out there, uh, I want to say that they – got their start in the in the early 90s maybe 94 being their first year for a uh a, a brewery to have been around for that long uh, uh, it is i think a little uncommon to have one of their flagship beers be a stout uh it's i mean it's, it's one of their one of their better beers one of one of the the better ones they do i think i think you know obviously they do uh, other good stuff as well uh, but to have uh, uh, such a nice stout available year round, um, I think it's, you know, might be one of the only one of an only of a handful of milk stouts that we can get year round, at least here in Texas. Uh, you know, always just just such a, a, a nice beer. Uh, but so just to get into the history of uh, milk stouts a little bit, uh, they can also be known as cream stouts. Uh, they've been brewed since the 1800s uh what makes them unique and sets them apart from from any other stout is the fact that it uses lactose sugar in the brewing process um hence the name milk stout because the lactose is a is is lactose sugar is derived from the milk interesting thing about lactose is that the uh, uh brewer brewer's yeast uh cannot eat it and so any time that you brew with lactose sugar uh, those sugars are not going to be converted into alcohol or carbon dioxide, and they're just going to be left in there. They're not going to be fermented out. Um, so having that lactose sugar added to it really gives it uh, more of a creamy texture, uh, definitely adds a little bit of a, a sweet note to it as well. And just to go along with all those other natural stout flavors uh, like like coffee and chocolate, that that nice creamy mouthfeel and texture and a little bit of added sweetness just, just blends in very nicely. The style was at one point um, kind of marketed as, as a healthy beer. Um, and that's when they really started calling it a milk stout. The, the, the name milk stout really started taking off um, kind of like in the, in the early 1900s, you know, kind of along the same lines of, you know, you'd see all those, all these old Guinness advertisements where they're advertising, you know, drink a Guinness, it'll make you strong. 
um, this was kind of a the same type of marketing where this style of beer was being presented as, you know, a little bit more of a healthy option. You know, it's got uh, milk and nutrients in it. Uh, we are one, one brewery even advertised that, uh, you know, uh, a pint of our milk stout has got, you know, as much as, you know, 10 ounces worth of uh, milk carbohydrates and, and nutrients. Sounds a little silly, but that's, you know, that's, that's kind of how these things go. I don't know exactly how long that left hand has been brewing their milk stout, but I do know that the first time that they put their milk stout into nitrous bottles was in 2011. And it has since then become their best selling beer. Other examples of uh, milk stout, you can have all kinds of different styles within milk stout too. Uh, some of the more popular ones um, is a coffee milk stout, a chocolate milk stout. Now that is not to be confused with a milk chocolate stout, which is completely different. Uh, there's a peanut butter milk stout, um, you know, just, just all kinds of flavors. Uh, the bourbon barrel aged milk stouts, I think that's what dragon's milk is. You know, you can, you can do all kinds of the, 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 the regular uh, fun stuff with stouts. That's just, this one has a very different kind of creamy mouthfeel and texture uh, along with that little bit of a creamy sweetness to it. You know, it's a little bit like adding creamer to your coffee. That's, that's kind of the highlights of this style. Do y'all have any questions or anything to add or y'all want to try this beer? I am ready to get healthy with you guys. <laughs> we are a health food show now. Yeah. Hooray nutrients. Now, one important thing I feel we should mention, uh, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but is this is the first nitro beer that we've tasted? It is indeed. So just for y'all out there that might not know, um, when you have a beer off of a tap wall, it is the, the, the gas that is used to, to push the beer, the beer from the keg to the tap and through the, the, the connecting hoses is predominantly carbon dioxide, which has got a very different carbonation, uh, bubble size and mouthfeel to it than beers that use nitro instead of carbon dioxide to push the beer and, and to mix into the beverage. So anytime that you are uh, brewing a beer specifically for a nitro tap or a, a nitro gas, the, the, the brewing is going to be a little bit different. You're going to want to leave it a little bit more flat than you typically would. The nitro has a much finer bubble to it, a much smaller bubble. Isn't that also why... When you get a black and tan, the Guinness is on the top and the whatever bass is on the bottom because the carbon dioxide is pushing up on the Guinness. And so it pushes the heavier beer to the top. That, that sounds like it could be right. I, I am. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know to, to confirm or deny that. Bill Nye, the science guy. Yes, that sounds like something I would be very interested in personally researching so one of my only complaints about the left hand milk stock it is a fantastic beer and one of the best beers of the style is it's gotten harder and harder to get it without nitro and i am 
not a fan of Nitro. But all that aside. It certainly changes the the flavor uh, and experience, that's for sure. Yeah, wh- why are you not a fan of Nitro? I think it's the flatter mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. The, like, I, uh, there's something about normal CO2 carbonation with a stout that kind of like, because you really don't see much else on Nitro um, other than stouts and porters. I like the bubbles to kind of break up some of that thickness that's there. And so I just, I've never really gotten into nitro Hmm. with beers. I have to admit, I kind of like them. I think it's a, it it wouldn't be a daily drinker for me, but I think it's a nice change of change of pace. Oh, and I'm not saying that it's bad at all. Mm. I just, I've not been able to get into them ever. Yeah. Yeah, my wife can't stand them. That and also, uh, what is it? Cask conditioned, <laughs> which is yeah. even like those are awful. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's, I've tried to I've tried to like them before. I'm like, I just don't want your hot flat beer. I'm sorry. Well, one of the great things about personal preference is that you're never wrong. So nose, I'm getting a lot of chocolate, a lot of milk, milky sweetness. Um, chocolate yeah little... chocolate and cream is what i get the most of uh, i'm getting a little bit of uh maybe a little bit of espresso or coffee yeah it 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 smells like a well-made coffee drink like maybe a oh, is that a macchiato or something very rich uh not not overpowering on the nose um but yeah definitely getting like a coffee cadbury cream egg and the taste, I mean, the taste just really confirms all those smells that you're getting. Um, a little bit of a, a kind of creamy sweet in the front end of the sip. That nice coffee, dark, bitter chocolate towards the back end. Uh, but all with just such a, a creamy mouthfeel to it. You know, if, if it weren't for, you know, such a, a thick and fluffy head on this beer, it would actually be very flat. I just wish I wish that it was a little cooler to where to where I could enjoy this beer, you know, just a little bit more. It's delicious. It's got it's got all those flavors that you like out of this style. It's just here here in Texas, I'm not sure how many of these I can drink on a triple digit day. It's it's cold in your house though. Uh yeah, sure, I guess. It's um, cool it's cooler. Chris, what do you want to what, what well, do you got on this thing? So, as I shared with you guys before we started recording, it was uh I had a hard time finding left-hand milk stout here in Sandusky, Ohio on the shores of Lake Erie. But I did find a left-hand peanut butter milk stout. And I'm getting all of the things that you guys talked about with a little bit of delicious peanut butter. And I'm not going to lie, I've been looking forward to tasting this beer for a long time, and it did not disappoint. It's so dang good. I would put it up there with the Belching Beaver. I don't know if it's quite as good as the as the Belching Beaver peanut butter stout that we tried a while back, but it's pretty darn close, man. It's just so good. Is yours a nitro as well? No, it's not. 
It's uh, CO2. CO2. Cool. I like the can. But he just popped the top and let it sit in his fridge for a few hours and it became nitro. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Now, are you in Sandusky, Ohio for a Tommy Boy tour? Or That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm um, selling brake pads up here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I don't know. I I didn't know they had anything else aside from being the town at the center of Tommy Boy. Hey, they got a they got a lake that you can sail small sailboats on, <laughs> like the radio controlled kind that the guy. No, the one, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say Tommy Boy. Oh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> don't let me and my personal preferences. Um, affect your trying of this beer because it is good and if you if you're into the mouthfeel that a nitro brings you're gonna like it and you know chris with you trying the peanut butter version i would i would wonder if because i have never seen belching beaver just have a standalone milk stout and with left hand kind of being that uh one of the standards of this style I kind of wonder if the base beer might be better with the left hand and then maybe the adjuncts are just dialed in slightly better for the belching beaver because I mean, left hand has been doing it for so long. It it would be interesting to see belching beaver have just the base because um, I feel like this is a very, very rich, deep uh, milk stout. Yep. Yes. Uh, it's, yeah. So don't, yeah, don't let the, the milk part of it throw you off because this, this is still very much a stout, still very much a robust, full flavored, nice, dark, heavy stout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it's probably a good stout for people who are new to stouts because it's got, you know, some of the sweetness from the milk sugars um, and some nice, coffee and chocolatey notes so if you're new to stouts if you want to get into stouts this one might be a really good one to to try and it's not as um doesn't have as much alcohol this one only clocks in at six percent yep so and i mean we're basically working out right now this is (laughs) a a health drink yeah (laughs) yeah i can feel my bones getting stronger that's right it's doing my body good nine out of uh, 10 doctors agree Mm -hmm. (laughs) on something not this but yes um i don't know if you guys remember but last year last october as a matter of fact i was coming through colorado and was in longmont during oktoberfest and got to go to left hands uh oktoberfest celebration so i got to have some of their uh, milk stout at the at the brewery it was pretty fun yeah, that sounds delicious. Straight from the source. That's awesome. That's right. They just have like an utter tap that it pours from. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <clears throat> you had to just like stand underneath underneath it and open your mouth, and there was some dude up there milking. <laughs> I'm really glad this isn't a video show as <laughs> <Yeah>. well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my my video well. demonstration of someone milking <laughs> into my mouth was probably not g-rated it was, it was humorous yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's, uh, it's just how you milk the cow mm-hmm. as luda would say 
All right, gents. Well, it's been another week. It's been another good one. I appreciate you as always for doing this. Thanks for joining. Had a great time. Shoot. Yeah, let's do it again. And I think next week, Chris is going to do his best to tackle the rice lager style of beer and we're going to touch on something that we missed in uh asian american and pacific islander um appreciation or awareness month uh we missed that one in may but chris is going to do his best to tackle that so look forward to that next episode until then please don't touch the thermostat (laughs) 